Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good morning and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS. For nearly seven decades, Champaign-Urbana's daily gathering spot for conversation, dialogue, and ideas. You can join it on the phone, via text, or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Or email us at talk at wdws.com. Now... Here's your host, Brian Barnhart. Well, good morning, everybody. It's a penny for your thoughts here coming your way on this Thursday. It is Cinco de Mayo. It's the 5th of May. And uh, we're pleased you're with us, however and wherever you might be listening today as we uh, come your way. Another kind of damp, light, rainy, kind of cool day, uh, 54 degrees. It's going to be in the mid-80s by early next week, so... So hang in there. It will get warmer, and it's going to be like one of those, um, you know, zero to sixty demonstrations where we go from late winter, early spring to summertime. Zoom! We're going to be right there next week. <laughs> so it's been kind of wet. I know a lot of farmers. Uh, some have been out. Others have been waiting to get in. Uh, my dad said uh, they were able to get their beans in, not the corn yet, but the beans in different places. So um, anyway, there is some work getting done. We're glad you're with us today on A Penny for Your Thoughts. We'll have uh, open line here today throughout. Uh, the only difference is in the second hour, I'll have a, a wingman with me. Uh, Jim Dye will be with me in hour number two from the News Gazette, as we do a couple of times a month. we we'll visit with one of the um, opinion writers. He has a column today and uh, editorial writers, etc., with the uh, News Gazette. Jim dies. So if you want to visit with Jim in the second hour, he certainly will be here uh, as well. 217-356-9397 is our phone number. Been doing that for decades on the phone. 217-351-5357 is the uh, Castle Heating and Cooling text line. That's a little more recent. And, of course, you can email us, talk at wdws.com. That's somewhere in between. Uh, and a variety of topics today. Of course, the uh, story on the Supreme Court. The other story having to do with the uh, Fed raising the interest rate. Rate hike by the Fed yesterday. <clears throat> we'll see how that <clears throat> ripples through the economy as they try to get a handle on inflation. A couple of uh, local stories. Uh, St. Joseph looking to grow, maybe to the north. There's an article on that in the News Gazette today. Uh, hockey on ice. We talked to Bruce Knight with the city earlier this week. When the news of that came out, but uh, what about the yards project itself? Story on that today in the News Gazette, and we got some miscellaneous items as well to uh, throw in along the way here, and uh, found a few interesting things I've unearthed. 
had an interesting discussion yesterday on uh, the shortage of baby formula. That's been in the news. I pulled up an article on that. I guess there was a recall in the middle of all this, too, of uh, baby formula of some sort. And I'm not in that world right now, so uh, I'm sure people that are are much, very much more aware of it than I am. But we had an interesting discussion about what they used to do with baby formula or what you did to uh, feed babies before baby formula. So that was that was a great open line meandering uh, yesterday. That was fun. Just never know where you're going to go on an open line, and that's one of the directions we went yesterday. Got some historical notes, uh, some pop culture stuff. Uh, Spider-Man movie debuted on this day. We'll tell you some of the numbers on that. The first one, Toby, uh, there uh, with Toby McGuire. Have I got that right? But uh, the Spider-Man, bitten by the spider, you know, and it was a big, big uh, movie money maker. Spider-Man, the first movie to top $100 million in its opening weekend. Toby McGuire. That was a little bit of an anniversary there. And I've got some things that uh, millennials don't buy that maybe those of us that are a little older bought or used or did all the time. Shows you how times change and things change over time. But the uh, Supreme Court story continues to be a big one. And I've got some different articles, different editorials, both sides of it, that are kind of interesting as they were back and forth on that. And they're trying to get to the bottom of who actually was responsible for the leak. And there's someone that's been uh, put in that position to try to find out who it is. And we'll tell you about them as well. Kind of an interesting background for them. 9-11 at DWS. Blake Land is our producer today. We're so glad you're with us on A Penny for Your Thoughts on a Thursday. We'll get it going after this. Back on a penny for your thoughts, 914 here at uh, DWS. The folks at uh, Busey, if you're looking to build or buy or refinance, partner with Busey, nearly 40 special mortgage programs. Busey can help you find the one that fits your needs. Traditional financing options include fixed and adjustable rate mortgages, construction and lot loans, investment properties. Busey provides a simplified home financing. Nearly 50 lending professionals who take the time to get to know you and your needs. And Busey is a name you can trust, whether you're a first-time home buyer looking to refinance. Especially in these days now, with the rates changing, you may need some help. Partner with Busey for the resources to turn your dream of home ownership into reality. Call 1-800-67-BUSEY, or you can visit BuseyMortgage.com. How you doing today? Kind of wet out there, and 54 degrees. AccuWeather says cloudy, breezy this afternoon. Periods of rain, a high of 59. Tomorrow's high... 63 with the rain tapering off, and the Mother's Day weekend looks pretty good. A high of 72 on Sunday, 86 on Monday, so it's going to be a rapid ascent. Some of the uh, headlines today, a Supreme Court martial takes up leak investigations as theories swirl, and who that person is, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Abortion might not be the wedge issue it used to be, one writer says. Another editorial says the court leak is an act of corruption and a misfire. 
Another one says, no greater farce than Justice Alito's appeal to democracy. And Roe versus Wade deserves to fall, one writer says. The abortion disinformation campaign. And the court is prepared to overturn Roe. The L.A. Times says it's time to stand up. And this interesting, uh, it's interesting trying to figure out who is responsible for this uh, leak from the Supreme Court. Maybe it was a liberal law clerk who leaked the draft opinion in the Supreme Court's biggest case in years, hoping to gin up outrage among Democrats at the prospect of legal abortions. Or maybe it was an anti-abortion court employee, fearful that the justices would end up backing away from their early agreement to overturn Roe v. Wade. Or perhaps it was one of the justices themselves, frustrated by the direction of their secret internal debates about one of the country's most polarizing issues. Not since Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein refused for decades to disclose the identity of their shadowy meet-me-in-the-parking-garage Watergate source has Washington been as eager to unmask a leaker. While the city's lobbyists, journalists, and political operatives trade theories over encrypted messages and social media, Colonel Gail A. Curley, the 11th Marshal of the United States Supreme Court, has been given the task of rooting out the truth in what Chief Justice John Roberts called a singular and egregious breach of the court's operations. Roberts has ordered Colonel Curley to conduct a thorough leak investigation. A former senior Army attorney whose legal work took her from the U.S. to Germany and Afghanistan. She's the second woman to hold the Marshal position at the court. Colonel Curley serves as the chief security officer, facilities administrator, and head of contracting for the third branch of the federal government. Manages about 260 employees, including the court's police force, and is a voice that might be recognizable to anyone who has attended or listened to the uh, court's oral arguments. All persons having business before the Honorable, the Supreme Court of the United States, are admonished to give their attention, for the court is now sitting. She would say, God save the United States in this Honorable Court. And they've got some more on her uh, background along the way. 217-356-9397 is our uh, number. Had a text here, came in early, says, Yesterday one of your listeners sent a text message regarding the Mary Miller ad your station is currently playing. The listener stated they would not vote for Mary Miller based on that ad. This is the exactly the problem we have in this country, low-information voters who make their decisions based on emotion. It states in the disclaimer at the end of the ad which PAC, Political Action Committee, paid for it, and also that the candidate does not approve the ad. Get a clue, voters. All right, on the text line, 217-351-5357, and uh, you can uh, text us that way. You can email us, talk at wdws.com. Sam joins us here this morning. How are you doing, Sam? Oh, good. This morning. Yeah, good. Thank you. Yes, sir. Well, I got a couple questions for you. Back yeah. in February, I called when you, uh, Mr. Dye was on with you and asked about the writership at the MTD. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Oh, sure. That's been asked yeah. many times yeah. over the last 30 years. Yeah, you guess 9,000, and he guessed 10,000, or vice versa. Oh, okay. And the actual number was, according to the MTD, nearly 9 million. Now, are you familiar with the Yards Project? Yes, sir. 
Yeah, you had Bruce Knight on, and he said, mm-hmm. oh, that was on hold. No, evidently, it's they're headed for the finish line. Well, no, what Bruce, if I remember talking to Bruce, what he said is the ice hockey wasn't going to happen. No, 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 but, this was before that, way before that. A long time ago, he said the, that it was on hold. And then now I see that it's headed for the finish line. But the streets in this in this city are the worst streets anywhere. They're worse than Bloomington, uh, Decatur, uh, even worse than Danville. But anyway, all that money could be spent on fixing these streets instead of the downtown north, south, east, west area, but it was all recovered. But there's not a street in this town that you can drive on. It's full of potholes. But they're spending all that money over there on the yards. What do you think? Well, isn't it the uh, some of the money from the MTD, some from the developer? <laughs> I mean, the MTD it? is still tax money. They got an well, 18.5 percent increase in taxes. Well, I understand that, but yeah, yeah. but you're saying so because of that, it's our taxpayer money, is what you're saying? Still tax money, yeah. Okay. Property taxes are the second highest in the 50 states in Illinois. Okay. But so you I, want I do, so would you so do you want them to just not do anything or but just do the streets instead? Is that what that's the responsibilities of a city, police mm-hmm. and fire and streets and sewers. It's not to build uh hotels, motels, holiday inns. It's to fix the infrastructure of the city and to mm-hmm. take care of the people that live here. Mm-hmm. Not to build hotels and So yeah. so just the area that's there just leave it as it is. Well, if some developer, a private developer, wants to do something with it, he can. Well, isn't not. that what part of it was? I don't think so. I don't think there's much private money going on here. Well, I, I know there was one developer who was wanting to was heavily invested in all of this. Oh, really? Not just the MTD, but yeah. Well, yeah, but see, the MTD is not a developer. They're supposed to be a taxing body, and they're supposed to have a bus line. You know, they shouldn't be in the development business. But that should be up for a vote a referendum for the city to vote on that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, there just seems to be a lot of money going to waste here hmm. that could be put into good use in the city. There's well, a lot of things that need uh, done, and, uh, well, the police, how many are we short? How many police officers? Well, quite a few. There you go. There's yeah. money right there. Yeah. And, and you know. I think they just allocated some for that. but Yeah. Yeah, I'm, con- you know, the MTD is just out of hand completely. Why would they need to expand that terminal building when it's, why? It's plenty big. I, I'm not, I don't understand that move either. Mm. Have All you right. ever noticed an overcrowded place there? I mean, people coming out the doors? No. Hey, that's my two okay. cents worth. There you go. Thank you, Have sir. Yep, you too. Appreciate it. 923 at uh, DWS on a penny for your thoughts. Uh, let me see here. What time? Nine twenty-three. It is uh, fifty-four degrees. I'm just kind of looking at the clock here in the breaks. Let me get a uh, break in here real quick. We'll come back with some more news headlines at the uh, bottom of the hour, and we've got Jim Dye with us in the second hour. Back after this. Nine twenty-six at uh, DWS on a penny for your thoughts. Jim and Ogden talked about uh, the folks at Gallo Miller Paint and Collision Repair. They had a Toyota Corolla needed work on. Said good job on repairs. I was confused by the bill. Corey was helpful and prompt in explaining the details. Also, a previous repair was done poorly at another shop, and you guys cleaned up the mess. Thank you, he says. Illinois State Police. Said uh, they'd always taken their car to another shop when any repairs were needed. Never has my car looked so good. 
You did a very, very good job. Needless to say, you've gained a customer for life. And ISP District 10 liked the service they got from Gallo Miller. Had a Crown Vic worked on. So those are just some of the testimonials for the folks at Gallo Miller Paint and Collision Repair. One of those guys just had a birthday, too, I think, yesterday. You can give them a call at 217-353-0770. You'd like to uh, talk with them, or you can stop by and see their great location there in the south side of I-74 between the Neal and Prospect exits. So who leaked this to Politico? And this uh, marshal at the Supreme Court has been assigned by the uh, Chief Justice to look into it. Only some of the employees of the court would have had access to the document according to people who have worked there in the past. Each justice has chambers downstairs, which includes offices for their clerks, a personal secretary, and a conference secretary, and one chamber aide. Each justice also has more offices for clerks upstairs in the court building. Draft opinions are normally emailed to the offices of other justices and are sometimes printed and distributed among the justices, the clerks, and the conference secretaries. Each of them could potentially be a target for questioning. Dan Epps, a law professor at Washington U in St. Louis who clerked for former Justice Anthony Kennedy, said some of the justices might balk at the idea of their clerks being subject to interrogation. Some of them might just say, he says, I'll have a conversation with my clerks personally. Mr. Epps said it's not out of the question justices might share their work with family members. Some people have mused online about the possibility the court's computers might have been hacked by someone who then gave the draft to Politico, although there's no public evidence of such an event. While the disclosure of a draft opinion months before the court's official ruling has never happened, there have been a few other leaks and at least one investigation. In fact, in 1973, the original Roe v. Wade opinion was leaked by a clerk to Time magazine which had agreed to wait to publish the decision until after the court had announced it. Because of a slight delay in the court's announcement, the article appeared several hours before the justices made it public, and Warren Burger, the chief justice at the time, was furious. In that case, however, the clerk in question quickly admitted what he had done and apologized. Six years later, Justice Berger did order a leak investigation after Tim O'Brien, a Supreme Court correspondent for ABC News, disclosed the decision in a case involving libel laws. The Chief Justice then apparently did not ever discover the source of O'Brien's scoop, so the one report suggested he suspected someone in the court's printing office. Chief Justice Roberts calling the leak a betrayal of trust. Roberts provided no details of how an investigation will proceed or how rigorous it will be, but he has rejected suggestions made by conservative politicians and pundits that he seek investigative help outside the uh, judicial branch by enlisting help from the Department of Justice and FBI. The marshal is like the COO of the Supreme Court, chief operating officer. They concern themselves with overseeing the police, overseeing hirings. They're involved in the budget proposals. They're involved in ensuring decorum is maintained during an open Supreme Court session. So we'll see, but that's some of the background on the person working for uh, Chief Justice John Roberts trying to figure out what happened in this case. Some of the other headlines, George Will, an opinion piece today in the News Gazette, Alito's argument on Roe is less than a, is less a uh, refutation than a starting over. 
according to uh, George Will. Jonathan Turley, there's been some talk that the justices, the Republican uh, justices that were nominated by Republican presidents, did they perjure themselves in their confirmation hearings when they were asked about Roe? Jonathan Turley says, no, justices did not commit perjury in their confirmation hearings. And he goes into pretty lengthy word-by-word what they said in their confirmation hearings when asked about Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Notably, some of the uh, same senators that have questioned these nominees have supported the Ginsburg rule, which is customarily cited to refuse to make promises or predictions on votes. Jonathan Turley says, nominees now just restate elementary points of judging without saying anything of substance. The late Arlen Specter asked Alito at the time he was up for confirmation if he agreed with the statement today, and Alito responded in classic confirmation non-speak. He first repeated the facts by noting he was a Justice Department attorney at the time, then went wrote because he had been uh, presumptively opposed to the logic of Roe versus Wade. said, today, if the issue were to come before me, the first question would be the question we've been discussing, and that's the issue of stare decisis. If the analysis were to get beyond that point, I would approach that question with an open mind. When Durbin, Dick Durbin, asked if he accepted uh, Neil Gorsuch about all of this, That's the law of the land. I accept the law of the land, Senator. Yes. In other words, he accepted that Roe is the established precedent. That's about as earth-shaking as saying he accepts that the Supreme Court sits in Washington. Kavanaugh had similar answers as well. But uh, Jonathan Turley says, don't buy that these guys committed perjury or Amy Coney Barrett or anybody else on their way in. That's from Jonathan Turley. Kind of respect what he has to say. Anyway, there's some other ones. Justice Alito's draft opinion on abortion is a courageous gift to American children. No greater farce than Alito's appeal to democracy. A couple of the other uh, editorial headlines today on all of that. All right, 933 at DWS. Let's go to uh, CBS News here at the bottom of the hour. Back with more Penny. Open line up until 11. Jim Dye sits in with me in hour number two here today on this Thursday. 936 on a penny for your thoughts. Still overcast. Good to have you with us. 217-356-9397 is our phone number. Text line 217-351-5357. And you can email us talk at WDWS.com. Uh, some texts that have come in. In the meantime, uh, 2,000 Mules by Dinesh D'Souza is absolutely eye-opening. Wish everyone could see this. If they can, they should uh, go public. I've heard... Uh, I think Clay and Buck or Sean or one of them has been talking about that, uh, having to do with some votes. I think is it in Arizona? I think is what it's about. MTD has long ago gotten out of control with no accountability to taxpayers, uh, this listener says. There's no legitimate reason we should have the large, sometimes double, nearly empty buses on so many of our streets. If campus wants, they should pay for it. Our non-campus community should be using something like 16 passenger vans. A listener says, uh, back to the Supreme Court, not a leak. The Dems and the Biden administration need something to turn the midterm elections around, and this is part of the plan. 
And yesterday's guest on the show, another listener says Chapin Rose, our state senator, was full of information, was a great listen as a guest. You need to have him on for a full two hours. It would be a good listen. Yes, he could easily fill up a couple of hours, I think. There's no doubt about that. But, uh, yeah, Chapin was uh, was great yesterday. If you missed any of that, uh, you can go to WDWS.com. All right, came across uh, something interesting here. This is just kind of fun. Talking about some of the things that millennials, as opposed to those a little older, some of the things they use or do or things that uh, they don't do that we kind of took for granted. Millennials pumping the brakes on buying cars and with that purchasing gas. In fact, many millennials not even deciding to get their driver's license at all. In fact, in the last eight years, the number of drivers age 18 to 25 was down nearly 25%. Why is that happening? Well, in urban areas, young drivers would rather just take public transportation than take the time to find parking. Throughout the country, youngsters also deciding to use the ride-sharing apps to get them from point A to point B. Either way, millennials are driving down automakers' bottom lines. I could see that. My daughters are in their early 20s. They just say, let's do Lyft, let's do Uber. They don't even, they don't even think about it. Fabric softener. What's in a name? Well, if the name is fabric softener, the name is pretty much an explanation of what the product does. But don't go asking millennials about it. A recent study said that millennials are not using fabric softener because they're not exactly sure what it really does. (laughs) Between 2007 and 2015, fabric softener sales dropped by 15%. With the uh, technology and washing machines becoming more advanced and more fashion brands deciding to focus on uh, comfort, millennials just aren't buying into the need of softened fabric. And when they're buried in student loans, this generation is cutting costs wherever they can. Uh, Traditional gyms. Millennials are tending to focus so much on healthy organic options when it comes to food Considering that, it seems surprising the number of people going to traditional gyms is declining. But it's not that millennials are skipping the workouts altogether. They're just choosing to do it elsewhere. Instead of the typically giant room filled with machines, this age group is choosing boutique gyms catered to certain types of workouts. Maybe a CrossFit gym, a kickboxing class, or anything else. Apparently, when they're thinking about where to exercise, millennials are weighing all of their options. Anyway, I just kind of found some of that interesting, how uh, things change over time. Uh, Good morning, Brian. Uh, We shouldn't care who did the leaking. We should care about what they leaked, a listener says. Yes, I've heard that argument. It's been interesting, the... um, I've heard a lot, I've heard both sides both sides of this say you know well what happened with the leak is really bad uh, but it seems to be uh, the abortion uh, proponents pro-choice folks basically are saying yeah but look what they said they're going to overturn Roe versus Wade um, where on the other side it's like well we need to find out you know who would dare to leak this just interesting. Not not 100% uh, either way, but uh, that's kind of the trend line, I think, has been the reaction to it. 
And more on the MTD. All of those roads, those big empty buses go on are in bad shape. Since they have so much money, they can brick their parking lot. The MTD should fix those roads. All right. Seems like I remember um, Jim Turpin's early days going back. This is back 1980 throughout the 80s and the 90s listening to people talk about the MTD. (laughs) I just remember it. So that's been a topic for a long time about the buses and the roads and uh, the MTD and uh, et cetera and how many people ride and how many don't. Um, it seems like that discussion is kind of evergreen. It goes on. Uh, 942 at uh, DWS. The Beef House has been around. They've been around a long time. Since 1964, steaks, chicken, pork, pasta, seafood. Maybe you want just a sandwich. You can do that. Get a Beef House salad, a bowl of soup. I mean, the menu's huge. When they hand you the menu, it's like, I mean, it's uh, a couple of feet you know, long. I mean, it's big. You turn it over, there's more on the other side, too. And enjoy uh, great soft drinks, cappuccino, iced tea, milk to go with your meal. Whatever it is, if you want to do the buffet, you can do that. That's a nice way to do it. I know we've uh, we've been over there on our way to Indiana or Purdue or the Big Ten tournament or whatever the case may be, headed that way. We usually try to make a stop along the way. Hope you will, too. The Beef House, exit four, just inside the Indiana state line. All right, uh, 943, let's go to Ursula. How you doing, Ursula? Oh, I'm okay. Thanks for asking. Yes, you know, the MTD don't charge uh, for, disabled, for the disabled bus to uh, riders during the coronavirus thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, that usually it's $2 and $2 for someone that assists the, the disabled people. Uh, but lately I haven't ridden it, so I don't know if that's still on, but uh, I thought that was uh, very nice. Mm-hmm. Another thing is I'm trying to listen for the loud voices that yell at Putin from everywhere, you and whatever, to tell him to at least let those poor people out of that steel factory. I mean, I know what it's like to be in a bunker and whatever. I'm old enough to have gone through the Second World War partially. And I tell you, my brother, after, you know, he was an adult, he had claustrophobia from, you know, that type of thing. And, I mean, it's just horrible. They're just more or less, for lack of another word, cooking those people in that factory, and it constantly bombed it. How long is that thing going to hold out? How many people are in there? I mean, it is so horrible that, you know, unless you go through something like that, you can't imagine it. But, my goodness, seeing your children starve, and I don't know, but it's just sad. And Mm -hmm. uh, you would have thought that uh, when there's such an uproar about everything else, you would think the U.N. would very loudly you know, tell Putin to get off his horse and let those people out. I mean, he's just such a mess murderer. It's disgusting. That's all I have. Yeah. Well, war is a messy business. Yeah, I know. And I think it's horrible. And and, and you you mentioned being around in World War II and remembering it anyway. Yeah, I went uh, into the, my mother had a baby, her third child. mm -hmm. And, uh, 
as far as that's concerned, she had to, she, they delivered at home in those days with a midwife. Okay, she went, the, the, my brother was born, that's not the same one that had claustrophobia. Uh, he, he, he was born, and then I think it was 41 or 42, I don't know. And uh, then the alarm came, the sirens came, and it was all clear. And my mother had gotten us down a whole bunch of steps, stairs, to the basement. There was a basement that they used for, you know, coal and all kinds of storage things. Well, then she got us back up home, upstairs, the first floor, and the sirens came again. There was another bomb attack coming. Um. Wow. So she said to, I can still remember saying, we cannot go downstairs because mommy isn't feeling well. Well, the feeling well happened afterwards, and I, as a five- or six-year-old child, had to um, help her. I won't say what it was. And so, you know, it's terrible. I'm sure there are a lot of people my age that are still, you know, remembering that and I'm not the only one. And I'm not feeling sorry for myself as such, just mm -hmm. as a human being. Sure. This is horrible what those poor people are going through there. Absolutely. So, well, bye -bye. thank you, Ursula. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it. Well, and I think, you know, when you read about, I think the difference now is people are, I, I'm it's maybe because I've lived long enough and, and seen enough or whatever, but it's people react to the horrific nature of war. It is terrible. I mean, what's happening in that seaside city and the bombing of the buildings and people trying to get evacuated, and yet you go back, and it is awful. You go back and read history about World War II or World War I or whatever the case may be. World War II is what I'm more familiar with, but, I mean, the bombed-out cities, the difference is you don't have the instantaneous coverage of it like you do now. Those things were happening then, too. It's all very eerily, sadly similar you know, uh, evacuations and, and, you know, shooting of innocent people and lining up villages and shooting them. I mean, you think, oh, my goodness, how can people do that? Well, it was happening, you know, 70 years ago in World War II. And um, the difference is now we see it. We see it immediately. We hear about it immediately as opposed to, you know, hearing the newsreels that came out, you know, weeks later. Um, it's just a different, uh, it's the same stuff, but we just see it and get to hear about it a lot more quickly, and uh, people are shocked by it. And you think about it, we didn't have our cities bombed in World War II, you know, here on in the mainland, you know, aside from Pearl Harbor, obviously, but um, it's just a different, people are shocked by it, but they, they shouldn't be surprised by how brutal uh, human beings can be to each other. It, it's It's really sad. 9.48 at DWS. Back in a moment. Usually people either really like Adele or they don't. But she is uh, 34. I like her. I think she sounds pretty good. 951 at DWS. Uh, Brian Williams, former NBC Nightly News anchor, 63 today. And uh, Tina Yothers, who played uh, Jennifer Keaton on Family Ties, is 49. 
And this was the day, 1961, Alan B. Shepard, first American uh, space traveler, 15-minute suborbital flight. Of course, now we're shooting people up there uh, pretty regularly, right? Up to uh, the, into space. And this is the anniversary of the battle of uh, the Mexican troops defeating invading French forces. 1862, the Battle of Pebula, the uh, anniversary of the Battle of Mexican Holiday called Cinco de Mayo, meaning the 5th of May, and that's where we are here today. And for what it's worth, uh, this day, 1986, I graduated from college. <laughs> that day always sticks in my head. had a um, exhibition baseball game to announce. I left my college graduation ceremony early. Walked out the door, threw my uh, cap and gown in the dorm room, and ran to City Stadium in Lynchburg and did an exhibition game between the Lynchburg Mets and the New York Mets. And I've been doing games ever since. 9.53 at DWS here on A Penny for Your Thoughts. Brian is with us. How you doing, sir? Well, pretty good, Brian. What's up? Well, Brian, uh, I like to report how the uh, news media doesn't report on the poverty rate these days with the uh, economy being so bad and inflation going rampant and price of gas going up and everything else. And they don't uh, say how the economy is disproportionately affecting women and minorities that they usually do when the Republicans in office. And they always show their bias by the way they represent abortion and the loss of abortion rights, and they never talk about the positive gains for the right-to-life people. It's always, oh, you're going to lose this and you're going to lose that, and it's one-sided, you know? Hmm. So you're not seeing enough on the news about people hurting under the current administration? Is that... Kind of your point. Well, if it, if it was George Bush, it'd be twenty four seven. How lousy a job he's doing, and you know, even like in Katrina, great job, Bernie or or, or Brownie. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just that they uh, they choose what to focus on and what not to focus on, and and this administration here has been a total disaster. Biden's been the worst president in my lifetime. Uh, he makes Jimmy Carter look uh, great. I can't think of a thing he's done that's been positive. Well, he's going to have to, uh, you know, I saw a Ohio candidate, the Democratic candidate from Ohio in that Senate race. He was asked a couple of times yesterday, you know, if he would have Biden speak on his behalf, and uh, he he didn't really commit to that. Well, Biden can't speak on his own behalf. Well, and there's a reason for that. The poll numbers are low. There's this thing called political survival. And uh, Right. I know. mean, he should be a running joke on the late-night uh, talk shows of of the his ineptness, his uh, obviously mental decline, and uh, his policies are atrocious. Well, they do... Yeah, well, they they focus on Trump a lot, even though he's not in office anymore. So, yeah, well, Trump had uh, the economy rolling. He had the borders closed. He had peace breaking out in the Middle East. He had the military uh, build up. He had ISIS defeated. Uh, 
Uh, he had the right to try thing. He had a lot of things, mm. a lot of positive things. And what does Biden have to hang his hat on? Well, Trump may be back. We'll see. Oh, Trump will be back. Yeah. He will be back. Whether yeah. he gets in or not, that's another thing. It all depends on how they count the votes. All right, sir. Hey, thank you. <laughs> all right. Appreciate it. Thank you. 956. Thank you, Brian, uh, for giving both viewpoints. I'm assuming on the Roe versus Wade, the different editorials that have been out there. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, Another text on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line says, Hi, Brian, people are just not educated considering Roe. Many have lost their minds thinking this would end abortion. Couldn't be further from the truth. It is going to go back to the states. Whoever leaked this is going to get a book deal and a show on MSNBC. And another text on the MTD says, The MTD is a great service for this community. If it were gone, many people would have trouble getting to work. Why isn't the caller complaining about the MTD counting the number of people at each tax-supported park in the community? I guess if the count was low, he'd want to get rid of those. 957 at DWS, Millennials, and Serial. Blame it on laziness or blame it on the overly packed schedules among young professionals, but there's a pretty, pretty shocking reason why this age group chooses not to eat cereal in the morning. According to the New York Times, 40% of millennials surveyed said they would not eat cereal because it was, quote, inconvenient. But why? It was an inconvenient breakfast choice because they had to clean up after eating it. Yes, apparently washing a spoon in a bowl is simply too much to have to deal with. And don't forget, there's also the pain of putting the box back in the pantry. <laughs> I'll have to have, ask Blake about all these. He's probably in that, uh, in that age group. Uh, let's see here. Apparently, millennials have a major beef with beef. In a new environmentally conscious world, red meat just is not making the cut for young foodies. While many are deciding to skip the red meat for a more green diet, others reportedly also against it for moral reasons. Beyond that, millennials say just flat out they do not have the money left for groceries after paying rent, student loans, and all their other expenses. That's why you hear the student loan uh, discussion come up quite a bit, appealing to that age group. And movie theaters. People used to make a night out heading to the theater, grabbing a gigantic tub of popcorn and watching a movie. Nowadays, even the draws of reclining chairs, bar service, and surround sound, not enough to fill up a movie theater with millennials. They can do it from their own couch. That's why you have Netflix and other things that have uh, that have taken off. Anyway, those are kind of interesting. Uh, 9.59 here at uh, DWS on a penny for your thoughts. We've got uh, Jim Dye coming in with us in hour number two. We'll continue the open line, get his thoughts on this whole Supreme Court leak and what he's thinking about. Local attorney Steve Beckett will join me tomorrow at 9 o'clock. I want to pick his brain a little bit on all of this when it comes to the Supreme Court, what it means going forward. WDWS Champaign-Urbana, back after the news. It's the second hour of A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS. You can join in on the phone, via text, or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. 
or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357, or send an email to talk at wdws.com. Now, here again, Brian Barnhart. All right, hour number two of A Penny for Your Thoughts as we uh, come your way today on this Thursday, 1013. We've got Jim Dye sitting in with us here in the second hour. Uh, no particular topic other than just uh, stuff happening around us, both locally and nationally. And uh, Jim is here. He joins us a couple of times during the month. 217-356-9397. Text line is 217-351-5357. And you can email us, talk at WDWS.com. How are you, sir? Well, I'm going to lodge a formal protest against yeah. this rotten weather. A formal protest? Yeah. yeah. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> well, it'll be 86 on Monday. Oh, well, okay. Sunny. How about 86 tomorrow? Can yeah. you do that? <laughs> I can only get you 63 tomorrow. Oh, man. Okay. Man, All we've right. Been, we've been waiting on the... You know the farmers to get in the fields here, and I've been waiting on sunshine and and, uh, and a little warmth, and, yeah. uh, and I'd like to see an Atlanta baseball game where I'm not my teeth aren't shattering. <laughs> I know <laughs> that's true for a lot of local high school teams too. No, and, I, and I mean it's like burr. Spring baseball is just the worst. I yeah. mean you just go out there and freeze to death. But uh, such such yeah. is life, huh? <laughs> well, there's a lot going on, of course. Last time since the last time we were on. Supreme Court, there was a leak. Whoa, boy, Whoa, how about that one? one? That's a big yeah, one. Huh? That's a big one. That's um, a big one. What's your take on all that? I mean, is it? Uh, well, my take on it all is that, uh, of course, I'm not going to speculate. Well, I guess I could speculate about the motives of uh, the leaker, but uh, uh, the basic answer is we don't know what that individual was thinking and why it was done. But uh, no, it's a uh, the leak is certainly a, a breach of the rules at the Supreme Court, and I d- I doubt they'll ever find the leaker. But if they do, I think that individual's in serious trouble and should be. As far as the decision itself, it, it's uh, clearly a uh, stunner in terms of its effect on um, people who believe fervently that Roe. Uh, should stand, but at the same time, I would just uh, note that if the Supreme, if that in fact is the, the court's decision, uh, that the issue simply goes back to the states, and in states like Illinois, you know, Illinois is very enthusiastic about abortion and uh, has basically no rules um, that limit it in any way, and that will be the law because each state. That will be the law in Illinois, and other states will make their own decisions about it. Yeah. What is the law in Illinois? I mean, is it up to, do we know what it is specifically? Well, the law in Illinois is basically what uh, Roe v. Wade said it is, but the state also has written its own rules uh, that pretty much, uh, I guess it's pretty much abortion on demand. Yeah, and other states, uh, some of the states in the South or in the Midwest have said other states have their own restrictions. Rules. Yeah. Now, for instance, uh, there was a controversy last year because there was a law in the books that said uh, underage girls uh, who intended to get an abortion had to inform their parents, just inform, not get consent. And uh, the legislature repealed that and said it was an unfair limitation on the right of girls uh, uh, to do that. And so that's that gives you an indication just how wide open it is yeah. in Illinois and places like California and New York and other places are uh, other places would have different rules uh if they are allowed to to do so for instance the Mississippi law that is the subject of the Supreme Court case uh would ban abortion after the first trimester so even under the Mississippi law abortion would be would be legal up till the end of the third month 
Now, some states may and probably will um, pass more restrictive laws if allowed to do so by the uh, mm-hmm. by the court. And abortion opponents have said for years that uh, this should be decided by the legislatures in all these states, not that was the original people being upset about the original Roe versus Wade ruling. Right? Yeah, as yeah. attitudes change, laws change. Mm-hmm. And the Supreme Court uh, kicked off a terrible political battle in 1972 when they essentially said um, abortion proponents win everything and can do what they want, and abortion opponents lose everything. And and in ruling as it did and taking it the, this really divisive issue out of the hands of legislators, uh, they prevented legislators uh, in various states from reaching democratic accommodations on how the issue should be handled in ways that might satisfy the vast majority of the public. Now, you're never going to get the, the people who are wide open and the people who are fervently against in all cases. You're never going to get them together, but you might be able to reach a Democratic accommodation, Democrat small d, uh, accommodation in terms of how we're going to handle this issue. What are the rules allowing abortion and where are the restrictions on which it would be mm-hmm. worked out? Now, I would note that even Justice uh, uh, Ruth, Gator, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was uh, a pro uh, supportive of abortion, uh, lamented the fact that the Supreme Court had uh, basically taken the hands, taken the power out of the hands of legislators and uh, essentially, you know, said to one side, you lose everything, and the other side, you win everything. Uh, she thought that. But then on the other hand, uh, she couldn't resist doing the same thing <laughs> on the uh, gay rights um, uh, marriage issue when that issue came before the court while she was on the court. So, you know, sometimes if, you, if you're tempted to just say, I can have my own way and rule by fiat, uh, people can't resist. Bill Clinton uh, kind of talked about that 25 years ago, about how he saw it as abortion should be legal but safe and rare. Yeah, so it was safe his, and rare. And I think most people kind of... Legal, safe, and rare. But he kinda, never... But, you know, I thought that was a good line, and it was a good political line, and it appealed to a lot of people. But he said that in the context of Roe being the law of the land, which is abortion basically wide open. And he never never explained why it should be rare, because if something is so so distasteful that it should be rare, uh, then the, as the abortion opponents would say, well, then why should it be prevented or permitted at all? So, but anyhow, that you're never going to get the people on the fringes uh, on each side together on this, but you can work out a democratic accommodation. Now, certainly in the current atmosphere we have, which I would say borders on the hysterical, it's going to be hard to get uh, people to work together. But um, uh, depending on what the court does, and people should remember that this is just a draft, yep. uh, we'll see what happens. All right, let's go to the phones here, and uh, Tiny is up here first. How you doing, sir? Jim, you don't know how glad I am to talk to you. Well, you're my buddy Tiny. How you doing? I'm doing good, Jim. Well, good. I want to start right off with telling you something. Okay. You're my best writer at the News Gazette. <laughs> you're my favorite. Oh, well, thanks. You got another writer up there, Tom Casey, but you're you're top of the line. Oh, well, hey, and I appreciate you saying I that. I told you, would you be quiet, Jim? That's the reason I didn't want you in the morning. <laughs> Oberheim died. Go right ahead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when I called you that morning and told you I didn't want you on because you're windier than I am, 
and I wanted to talk about Oberheim. Mm-hmm. I was so mad when I got up this morning and I heard there was a cop killed. I didn't know who. That I could, I, I was, I was, I could have bit a rattlesnake's head off and spit it out and never even bothered. Me. And then you called in, and I know how you like to talk, and I like to hear you talk, but not that morning. Now we'll get back to why I called this morning. Jim, again, you've taken up another great subject. You've taken up the Chief Finney, who's been a good chief, or was a good chief. And we've got a bunch of ball babies and whiners and do-gooders and, and all the bad names you can call them. I can't call them any more than that on this radio. But this, they, you had an article in the paper about this and completely lied about it. Finney did not shoot that guy. The other guy shot him, and you know why he shot him? Because he was wrestling. That's how every one of these people gets killed. I, I would say 99 and 9 tenths percent of them that gets killed are people who want to wrestle the cops. That buzzard up there in Minnesota that they choked to death. He was wrestling. He's a big guy. He could whip three guys. They, had, they finally got him down. And this other guy did wrong. He's on his neck too long. I'm not saying that was right. But he got in that position, and that's his fault. It's not my fault. And we shouldn't have celebrated. We shouldn't have went the whole country and celebrated and ruined this country over that guy getting killed because he was wrestling the cops. Hmm. Now, okay. getting back to Finney, yeah. and I'll shut up. The other guy shot Finney, and it was an accident. He didn't take his gun out and point it at his head and go boom. And it was an accident. And the, the, they made a big deal out of it, and the family sued, and the dad, he got money, and he wasn't even on, in the scene. He was, he was gone. And the poor mother was dead, and uh, so this dad, and he, you know, he had he had to have some money because the boy he didn't give a damn for her, got shot. All right, Jim, okay. go out and tell me what All you right. think. All right, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Yeah, so let's back up, talk about, you wrote about R.T. Finney. You talked to R.T. Finney, the former police chief, Champagne. Yeah, I just want to say, yeah. in the future, when, when uh, Tiny calls, I won't say a word. I'll just respond in sign language. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Uh, uh, but there was a column on Sunday that uh, had to talking about R.T. Finney also. Yeah, this yeah. is uh, an incident that occurred in 2009 when uh, police responded to a report of a burglary in progress uh, at a house in uh, Champaign. Uh, when police uh, confronted the two uh, youths uh, behind the house and told them to halt and get down on the ground so they could be taken into custody, uh, they tried to, to run the uh uh, each Finney and the other officer, Norbitz, restrained them, uh, tried to restrain them. Uh, there was a wrestling match, essentially, that ensued. And, by the way, the officers had their guns pulled when they went around the corner and saw these kids because that's the protocol for responding to a burglary in progress. And uh, Officer Norbert's gun discharged. The experts found, the investigators found, accidentally, uh, Kawan Carrington uh was killed. He was a 15-year-old boy who had had a really tough life. Uh, and, um, of course, then uh, people were concerned about what had really happened here. And uh, what was what happened was investigated by the uh, um, state police uh, for the um, 
for the state's attorney and also by the federal government. The FBI got involved because to just to double check what had gone on and concluded that the shooting was accidental, that no crime had committed, but that the officer had mishandled his firearm because it was it was ac- accidentally discharged. And now the uh, there are people since then who've re- completely rejected those results, and they are, are uh, pressing uh, Parkland College and uh, to not to employ Finney, who is now teaching at Parkland, teaching some introductory to law enforcement classes, and they're pressing for his dismissal there, I guess. And they've also been uh, pro- protesting his various jobs over the years. He's had his acting chief. So, uh, yeah, I saw that this is uh, this protest thing has been in the news lately. So I thought, well, we better just to revisit the issue, re re publish the facts because this thing happened 13 years ago and i suspect a lot of people that are involved in this protest probably don't know much about it some think they may know something about it but uh, they have been um well and one professor is basically accused outright basically if any of murder when in fact the evidence clearly showed that that the other was the other officer's uh handgun that was discharged not mm. finney's man they were they were separate different caliber guns so that's how they were able to determine yeah. that. and uh, julia reitz's office concurred with what the fbi and everybody else found right oh yeah or, yeah, yeah. And she mean, actually prepared a, rep- uh, yeah. prepared a report on that quoting all the witnesses uh, which i have a copy of and quoted in in the story today so this is just one of these things that periodically uh comes up and you know the some people don't think think the police are too hard or on, on uh, minorities or they go out of their way to oppress them or whatever and and this is just kind of a reflection of that attitude all right so that uh, commentary extra was in the uh, Sunday edition of the news Gazette Jim Dye's column is today as he talked with the uh, former chief RT Finney about all of that 1026 at DWS let me get a break in back with the Jim Dye here in a moment We're on the bottom of the hour here, visiting with Jim Dye. By the way, Steve Beckett's going to come in tomorrow at 9 and help Good. us help us with the Supreme Court yeah. stuff. Well, Steve, that's so, a perfect guy to have on. I think he would be, so we'll do that at 9 tomorrow. Uh, Roofs by Roger, 46 years of experience in the roofing industry. His company, Roofs by Roger, has been around since, uh, well, 1985. And enhanced warranties all come with what they do. All new roofs come with a 50-year system warranty. Only 3% of roofing contractors in the U.S. hold the highest distinction of being a master elite contractor, and that would be Roofs by Roger. You can go to their website, roofsbyroger.com, and that's with a D, by the way, R-O-D-G-E-R, Roofs by Roger. And some of the services they provide include roofing, gutters, gutter guard, windows, and siding. And uh, they work with the insurance companies on handling the claims so you don't have to. They provide free estimates, residential and commercial. Give your house a facelift with a new roof. Roofs by Roger, 217-834-3800, 217-834-3800. Okay, i got a lengthy email here. I'll, I'll read as much as I can. I It chews up uh, quite a bit here. But uh, Phil writes in and says, It's surprising to see the poor work done by Jim Dye in today's edition of the News Gazette. Dye should know better than to accept as fact any statement made by a, such an unreliable witness as R.T. Finney. On October 9th of 09, Finney lied to investigators during his 18-minute interview that he identified himself as a police officer and commanded the children to get on the ground. Officer Dan Norbitz would later tell investigators he saw Finney draw his gun and shout, Stop or I'll shoot you. 
Uh, Finney claimed he separated his shoulder, sprained his knee while wrestling with one of the boys. No medical evidence was provided of those injuries. He never missed a day of work. Uh, Champaign County forensic pathologist Dr. Scott Denton performed the autopsy on October 10th, retrieved the bullet that killed Kiwan. There is no record of the bullet's chain of custody after Denton found it. No record of rifling tests performed to determine if the bullet found in Kiwan was fired from Officer Norbert's Glock 21 pistol. Uh, Denton's report failed to identify the caliber of the bullet, con- contradicting Reitz's claim in today's paper. In attorney Alfred Ivey's civil lawsuit, the lone witness to the Carrington killing said Finney shot Kiwan. There was no fight between the youths and officers, uh, this listener says. In all the documents produced by Champaign Police and State Police, nowhere was there any mention of audio captured by squad car surveillance video. Reitz's own 13-page report makes no mention of it. I challenge Die to FOIA for the auto recording. And before taking the word of uh, a proven liar like Finney, Dye should dig up the old documents of the autopsy report and the so-called ballistics report to see nothing has been proven one way or another with regards to the Carrington killing. So, I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I sure. Uh, First of all, this gentleman just completely rejects uh, the results of two separate investigations, Uh, says the story relies totally on Finney, which is... Inaccurate. I mean, it's. Uh, I quote her from the uh, report prepared by the state's attorney, um, which I have a copy of, and I, I just think, well, th- you know, this is a guy who's unpersuadable. Um, so I don't really know. Uh, you know, th- there's no there's no talking to people who have uh, who have this viewpoint. I mean, they they say, well, you didn't prove this, so that obviously they w- want to say, so that obviously means this, but. Uh, but it just doesn't, and uh, mm. you know he's they're they're riding the wrong horse there. But they like that horse, and they're going to stay on it, and that's all there is to it. I mean, these people are unpersuadable. Now, I think he said something about the uh, the ballistic report. And let me see if I can find it in the re- in my report. Mm. But uh, go ahead, we can okay. we can pursue. All right, uh, ten thirty three at uh, News Talk fourteen hundred DWS on a uh, penny for your thoughts visiting. Here with Jim Dye. Let me tell you, Ryan Dallas, they've served more than 250 families already in 2022. Team of professionals with the Ryan Dallas real estate team working hard to meet the demand of buyers every single day. Success stories, they come one after the other. Home in Champaign sold before it hit the market. Home in Muhammad sold above the list price in just days. A home in Urbana on the market with a different agent made the switch to Ryan Dallas, now moving toward closing. One call to make, Ryan Dallas real estate. Let me get to the uh, news here at the bottom of the hour and back with Jim Dye on a penny for your thoughts here in a moment. All right, back with Jim Dye here on our penny for your thoughts as we continue here this morning. We'll talk more about the Supreme Court uh, tomorrow with local attorney Steve Beckett to get his thoughts on all of this. Uh, you've got the whole report there with you. What, uh, what well, else? I've got uh, Julia Reitz's report on that and I think uh, the Email you just read uh, makes makes reference to the only witness uh, to what occurred, saying that he observed that would be Jashawn Manning, Jashawn Manning Carter, who was one of the two uh, youths that were trying to force their way into this house. Uh, this is talking about the Kwan Carrington case. Yeah, Kwan Carrington case. Uh, he quotes him as as a witness, and he makes reference to a lawsuit. Uh, you know that lawsuit actually was dismissed. Uh, so, you know, a dismissed lawsuit is not exactly the uh, uh, most impressive evidence in the world. But the reason it was dismissed, it's my understanding, is that because uh, Manning Carter 
refused to sit for a deposition. So why is that? Maybe he didn't want to say under oath when he was saying not under oath. Uh, Mm. It's uh, hard to speculate about that, but uh, he didn't make any statement to police at the time. He refused to talk to them. Uh, So, uh, and one would think that if he witnessed someone just execute his friend, that he might have said something about it, Uh, but he did not. Mm. All right, again, Jim's column is in the News Gazette today. The Sunday column, talking about uh, R.T. Finney, was in the uh, Sunday paper, if you want to go back and kind of check out what we're talking about here. Martell is with us. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing fine. How are you doing, then? Um, hey, Mr. Dye. Um, Chief Finney got a long record of what he did in our community, not, not only with the Key One incident, but Chief Finney allowed officers to run through our community, did not um, be professional. They was using the N-word in our community. I deal with Chief Finney when he first came. He had a chance to build a relationship with the community. The officers were running around with guns out. I got a uh, time in Bristol Place. It was a fight between a preteen kids, and you had six officers with their guns out. I'm yelling through the crowd to tell them to put their guns up because it's all kids. On the 2nd of October of 2009, I'm in the meeting at Freeville Baptist Church right across the street from uh, Washington School. Reverend Chambers was the president of NAACP, said he just got a call that an unarmed man got caught in the daycare center. And I stopped him and said right in front of everybody, I said, you don't have to go to Aurora where this man got killed. We're going to have a person shot, a a young person shot in Champaign because the officers got their guns out when they don't need the guns out. Seven days later, he was killed. Um, this ain't what somebody telling me. This is what I live. Chief Penny thwarted at community engagement as a chief of police. He should not be teaching that at Parkland. Hmm. And there was no gun residue done on, po- on the police officers when the shooting took place with Key One. There's never been a ballistic test on the gun. Some two things would happen in any shooting. So, and oh. then you're talking about a 14-year-old did not speak. He just seen his 14-year-old friend uh, got killed. He never got the the counseling and everything he needs. He's been treated like I don't from that point on. This He went through a total trauma. Hmm. And he did say the man in another coat is the one that shot he won. He did say that. Hmm. And, and um, with Julia Reitz, when I first met Julia, Julia came on my eavesdropping case. I have never been able to meet with Julie Reed since because I gave her two years to get her office in the, in, in, in the, uh, the operation like she needed because she had to go through the pilot thing. And um, I just don't want her making uh, 17-year-olds felons for, like, shoplifters and stuff. But now that's water on the bridge. We really need to look at this key one case. Okay. When I say look at it, because history shows that the police did not tell the truth always. Have a wonderful day. All right. Thank you, Martell. Appreciate it. Well, you know, history does show that the police don't always tell the truth. And there have been some horrific examples of abuse uh, by police officers of their authorities. But we're talking about, we're not talking about that that issue on a macro level. We're talking on a micro level of this issue involving uh, Kawan Carrington 
And as far as who's going to, you said we need to take a look at it. Well, who's going to do that? Uh, it has been examined by the appropriate officials, and I think, I think the case is basically uh, closed. Now, I think you've heard from Martel that basically he doesn't have any respect for the police department. Certainly doesn't like Chief Finney. Uh, he's entitled to his opinion, but uh, I don't think that really makes uh, him an expert on uh, what happened in this case. And but that's what he believes, and that's what he'll continue to say. So you know, that's where we're at. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and part of the article on uh, Sunday, the, and Jim mentioned this off the top, is uh, R.T. Finney, R.T. is teaching Introduction to Criminal Justice and Community Policing to Prospective Officers at Parkland. And that's uh, this writer on Sunday was saying that that he felt like he shouldn't be doing that. So that's kind of, and then Jim, of course, talked to R.T. And uh, kind of that's why we're rehashing something from uh, from a long time ago, but obviously a lot of pain still left over from that. Uh, Frank, how are you? All right, doing great. How about yourself? Good. Good to have you on. Thank you. Um, just wanted to make a comment. The judge just said, well, it's really hard to speculate on why the year would not have sent down for a deposition and immediately speculated on why the year did not set down for a deposition. And I'm just wondering if maybe he has a speculation that would be a positive towards that year. I mean, we could speculate that maybe he was threatened. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't, that, you just speculated something totally negative about it. That was, I think he found it easy to speculate, hmm. and it wasn't positive for you. You're right, there's a lot of reasons he could have decided not to sit down for that deposition. And to insinuate or infer very lightly that the youth might have been lying, wasn't willing to lie under oath, um, I don't know. Judge what you have to say. Well, uh, well here's judge what I would have to you're, say. You're not a judge. You're but, saying yeah, he yeah. didn't, um, you know, I, I, you know, you say he didn't uh, sit down because maybe he was threatened. Well, you know, he filed the lawsuit. <laughs> he filed the lawsuit. So was he threatened uh, uh, after he filed the lawsuit or was he told before the lawsuit? Don't. So I don't know. See, so you're, you're uh, I, I guess you see everything in a nefarious way here that the police uh I mean, do these investiga- do these investigations do these investigations uh, and the reports they they produce do those not have any uh, effect on your thinking here? Uh, that's neither here nor there. The point is, is that you just throw some speculation out there that was pure speculation has absolutely no weight or form to it, no more than mine does. And your word, your sentence right before that was, um, it's hard to speculate of why he didn't, and then you speculated. So evidently it wasn't hard for you to speculate. <laughs> well, easy. okay, let's say it's easy to speculate, but it's hard to be a mind reader. How about yeah. that? Yeah. Okay. All right. Hey, thank you, Frank. Thank you. Appreciate your input. Thank you. 1044. Let me get a break here real quick. Back with more with Jim Dye here on A Penny for Your Thoughts. Back on a penny for your thoughts. Jim Dye is with me, as he is a couple of times a month. A lot of talk about uh, his column today in regards to uh, former police chief R.T. Finney and the Kawan Carrington case. You can read it in the uh, News Gazette. A couple of texts, and then we'll get to a call here. I've always wondered if the Champaign City Council would have let their officers have tasers back then. The outcome might have been different with Carrington. If you remember the outrage when they asked to carry them, this listener says, that's the problem. The city of Champaign have let the public dictate how to run a police department. 
So you, you know, but, um, yeah. Well, that's the whole. You know, I, I remember when the Urbana City Council was discussing whether or not their officers should be uh, <clears throat> allowed to carry tasers, and there was this groundswell of uh, opposition suggesting that the officers were going to go around tasing everybody <laughs> who crossed their paths. And then, so when we have an incident like this. Uh, people say, "Well, you know, why didn't they tase him?" Well, yeah. you know, I mean, when you have confrontations. Bad things are going to happen. That's why everybody emphasizes, and of course, there it's never going to be followed one hundred percent. When you're when you deal with police officers, do not resist, cooperate. Nothing good is going to come of a wrestling match um, for anybody. I mean, I would, you know, I mean clearly that Torrin Quine Carrington lost his life, and it was terrible. He suffered the most, but you know, Norbert's didn't want to kill anybody. Norbert's Norbert's had a very good record uh, in terms of dealing with people and, and had. Uh, uh, no history of of any kind of a, a complaints for abusing people. Uh, further, I just want to say that you know we're losing we're we're not seeing the for the forest for the trees here. <clears throat> everybody, these two callers have suggested, well, you know, Chief Finney, he he shot this guy, and everybody knows he shot this guy. Well, you know, if he did that, why did Officer Norbitz <laughs> say that he accidentally discharged his firearm? And he explained in detail what happened, which I quoted in the story. So Norbitz decides that he's going to take a career-ending, uh, he's going to tell a like, career-ending story because why? Because, mm. you know, it, it doesn't really make any sense. Mm. All right, someone who probably knows about some of this and uh, has some thoughts is Vaughn Young. How you doing, Vaughn? I'm doing well, Brian. How about you? Yeah, good to have you on. Thank well, Vaughn, what do you think about all this? Well, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm listening to this and your last call when he talks about, you know, the police officers shouldn't have their guns out and that we shouldn't be uh, looking to shoot people. You know, the thing that I, I really wonder about Martell, and I'm not sure what his bone is that he has to pick at it all the time, but it's like police officers, you know, respond to incidents the way they are trained. I mean, I was shot at several times. I shot at people several times. But you don't go into every situation with your hands in your pockets, whistling, thinking, oh, this is going to be a, just an, an easy call. And you're correct. I mean, if people would just stop, when the police officer tells people to stop, don't resist, just do that. We would see a much better outcome than yeah. what happened with, you know, Kiwan Carrington. I, I'm like everybody else. I'm sorry that situation happened, but if you would just stop when the police, I mean, as a child, you're taught by your parents, stop, and you do. When you're in school, you're told by the teachers, stop, and you do. Where has, where's it gone wrong that now that the police officer tells you something and people don't even listen to us anymore? It doesn't make sense to me. Hmm. Uh, well, yeah, and I, I would I would also point out that the, uh, the there's a communications issue here with this, the Police were told by the dispatcher that there were three people uh, trying to break into this house. So they're responding to this. They don't know what the situation is. They don't know who these people are, what their what their uh, motive is, innocent or otherwise. They don't know if they're armed. They can be. Uh, and so, according to the protocol, you know, Martel says they shouldn't have their guns out. Well, you know, why not? I mean, I know bad things can yeah. happen, but bad things can happen to. Both groups. I mean, I can recall a situation just last year where two police officers responded to a domestic report. They walked up to the squad car and talked to the fella, and they didn't have their guns out, and he pulled out a gun and okay. shot and killed one of them and wounded the other. 
So exactly, you know, does everybody thinks it's so easy to deal with these situations? But you're dealing with all kinds of people in this world now. If these kids, uh, and, and I'm sure that they're not not dangerous in the sense that they had any weapons to, but you don't know that they're the police are not mind readers either. So and you. you're dealing yeah. with uh, you're dealing with the the one situation where it's a domestic where the guy's sitting in the car versus the other where you're reported to have a burglary in progress. Now, on on its surface, which situation looks more dangerous, the guy just sitting in the car or the kids in the process of trying to break into the house? Well, I would say that the situation looks more dangerous is the kids who are actively committing what was reported as a burglary as opposed to a guy just sitting in his car. Yeah. But who had the gun and who got killed? Yeah. Right. And so, you know, right. I, mean, I mean, it's not an easy situation. No, it's not. And then that's the thing. You know, you're, you're absolutely correct. As a police officer, I'm not a mind reader. I don't know what's going on in a person's head. You know, 14-year-olds have been known to pull guns and shoot police officers just like 24-year-olds and 34-year-olds. You know, and in that situation, the police officers responded the way they were taught. And, you know, and for everybody, and I'm not saying everybody, but for these folks that are, have come out against R.T. Finney, and it's like, let it go. I mean, there's been investigation after investigation after investigation that, that shows that the man did nothing wrong, and people in this community need to understand that and let this situation go, because all it's doing now is festering and bringing up lies and harassing people that don't need to be harassed. Hmm. <laughs> well, you know, I think that's a vain wish, although certainly a wise one, yeah. but uh, they can't, they won't let it go because they can't let it go. Right. I mean, they have invented the scenario here, which is completely at odds uh, with the in, the reported facts produced by you know professional law officers, and they just yeah. think it's all baloney, and that they've come up with the scenario in their own minds that says, "Well, this shows that," and and therefore it's yeah. that's the way it is. But yeah. that's not the way it is. Hey, Vaughn, I don't. You're, you're on your timeline. Hey. Were you working in Champaign at that time, or were you already at Parkland? I was. Okay. I was. I was already at Parkland. I did okay. work with Officer Norbert. He actually worked for me. He was a very good police officer. I mean, never had any problems with discipline, like you said. Um, good officer. You know, then he came on the department after I left and gone to mm. Parkland. But I know RT from uh, being involved with him at meetings and everything else. He is respected in the law enforcement world. And, again, you know, this, this situation needs to stop taking on a life of its own because now people are just taking it and twisting it to their narrative and not looking at the facts. Yeah. Hey, Vaughn, really appreciate your call. Thank you, sir. Thanks. I appreciate it, guys. You, you are, stay safe. Talk to you later. Very good. Vaughn Young with us here, former police officer. Of course, was out at Parkland as the chief out there, too. Uh, 10.55. We'll have some final thoughts in a moment. Back on a penny for your thoughts. About a minute and a half to go here. Final moments with our friend Jim Dye. He joins us every couple of weeks. A couple of final texts here. Good morning. Mr. Dye is correct about those who have made up their minds regardless of the evidence uh, regarding Kawan Carrington. Example is News Gazette columnist Jay Simpson who in his February 18th, 2022 column. A cop killed a friend of mine, a very popular kid right here in Champaign named Kawan Carrington for entering his own home. Have a good day, Steve. And also, Jim, it says, thank you for your piece about Chief Finney. As you can tell, activists don't do research or like facts. doesn't fit their narrative. So there you go. So 
Gee, you wrote that column. I wonder why you needed RT's number. So <laughs> now I know That's why. Right. You got to talk to him. <laughs> yeah. You got to talk to him. And uh, you didn't have it either. I, you really disappointed. Well, I did have it. Yeah, you were, you found it on your own. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So. All right. I'm sorry I cast aspersions <laughs> on you. I should know that you're always prepared for any inquiry. That's right. All right. Go Cardinals, right? Yeah, but, you know, I say let's go weather so we can play. The Cardinals can yeah. win in, in games that are played in nice weather. <laughs> and go Illini, too. Yeah. And the golf right. team's and out let's in get some more of these great guys in the portal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So sir. we have a team. It would be nice <laughs> to have a team. That would be nice. All right, uh, that's going to wrap it up here for today. Thank you to Jim for uh, coming in per usual. And we've got uh, CBS News coming up here at the top of the hour. Chance of rain today, periods of rain, a high of 59. We'll be up to 63 tomorrow, according to the folks from AccuWeather. Uh, Steve Beckett, local attorney, will join us tomorrow. We'll kind of dig into the meat of the uh, Supreme Court leak, what it means, Roe versus Wade, et cetera, et cetera. So all of that tomorrow in the first hour, then an open line after that. On WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, and the news is next at The Tone.